This podcast is the property of the Half-Blood Princesses. I'm Demi. I'm Jess. The story will begin in a flourish. Hey everyone, welcome to episode 18 of the Half-Blood Princesses. We're so excited to be back again. Yes, and if you don't follow us on social, what are you doing with your life? We have Facebook and YouTube, which is the Half-Blood Princesses, a Harry Potter podcast, and you can find us on Twitter and Instagram at HBPrincessesPod. If you like our content, please leave us a voicemail at 412-228-5435, and we'll feature it in a future episode. Speaking of awesome listeners, we have a message from our friend, Maddie. Let's hear it. Hello, your majesties. I just wanted to let y'all know I'm listening to the latest episode right now. And I just, I love y'all. Y'all are just awesome. I can't tell you enough. I just, I love y'all's chemistry and just how you laugh and have a good time. And it does, it sounds so real and energetic. It doesn't sound like you sit and rehearse for this. It sounds like it's real chill and easygoing. And it's not like most podcasts where it sounds rehearsed and very, uh, I don't know, scripted. But this is just really cool. And I love it. I love just having a podcast that I can follow that I um I look forward to as much as this one. I'm getting tripped up on my words. But anyway, and I know it's been a while since I've caught and left a message with you guys, so just wanted to call and tell you that I love and appreciate y'all so much and keep it up. Thank you so much, Maddie. You're the sweetest ever and we really appreciate your support, so thank you. It means the world to us. Yeah, thank you, Maddie. You're awesome. So, Demi, what's the topic of episode number 18? The topic for this episode is the prophecy, and I'm super duper excited because I've been wanting to do this forever. So now, let's get into the quote. It's time for Quick Quotes Corner. Today's quote comes from chapter 37 of Harry Potter and the Order of the Phoenix called The Lost Prophecy. Here's the prophecy. The one with the power to vanquish the Dark Lord approaches. Born to those who have thrice defied him, born as the seventh month dies, and the Dark Lord will mark him as his equal, but he will have power the Dark Lord knows not, and either must die at the hand of the other, for neither can live while the other survives. The one with the power to vanquish the Dark Lord will be born as the seventh month dies. This prophecy is at the heart of Harry's story. In the discussion, we'll be breaking down each line of the prophecy, but it's so interesting that as a whole, two wizards are so intertwined, Harry and Voldemort. From love magic to horcruxes, life to death, good versus evil is at the heart of this prophecy, and it's written in the prophecy that Harry will triumph over Voldemort, and it truly illustrates his destiny. I feel like prophecies are at the heart of every story, and I love how J.K. Rowling included this in the Harry Potter series because it adds some stakes to the books, some suspense, some interesting plot points, and overall I just love the wording here. It's so ominous and it's so fitting that Professor Trelawney utters these words. OMG! Here comes the one with the power to vanquish the Dark Lord! Could it be Harry Potter? Oh no, it's just Polly with the fun facts. Hey, it's Polly our owl. She's flying in with the fun facts. Thank you so much, Polly, for these awesome fun facts. Let's get into it. According to Merriam-Webster, a prophecy is an inspired utterance of a prophet, an inspired declaration of divine will or purpose, and a prediction of something to come. Here's an excerpt from the Stanford Encyclopedia of Philosophy. A prophet is someone who plays a special role mediating the relationship between other people and the divine. People typically envision prophecy in terms of God communicating through a prophet to others some important information that could not have been known to the prophet in any ordinary way. 
Prophecy is interesting from a philosophical point of view for many reasons, including the fact that it raises compelling questions about divine knowledge and communication, human language, the nature of time, and human freedom. Now let's talk a little bit more about prophets. A prophet is an individual who is regarded as being in contact with a divine being and is said to speak on behalf of that being. The message a prophet speaks is called a prophecy. Prophecies and prophets are rooted in a lot of religions and cultures, including Christianity, Judaism, Islam, and ancient Greek religions. In Christianity, the figures widely recognized as prophets are mentioned as such in the Old Testament and the New Testament. It is believed that prophets are chosen and called by God. The five major prophets are Isaiah, Jeremiah, Lamentations, Ezekiel, and Daniel. I hope you enjoyed all that awesome information and mini religion lesson, because now we're going to talk about fantasy. Prophecies are a huge trope in the fantasy genre, and aside from Harry Potter, a notable series is Percy Jackson and the Olympians. If you guys haven't read it, go do that. So in this series, we see the divine very clearly because the series is based on Greek mythology, and we see the power of the gods and goddesses tied into the prophecies. Since prophecies are rooted in religion, they are divine, and in the Harry Potter series, we see that there is a branch of magic called divination. In Harry Potter, though, instead of being called prophets, those who speak prophecies are called seers. The divine in Harry Potter is super interesting because there isn't a specific religion or mythology in the series, so it's unclear where exactly these prophecies are coming from and what the divine being is, but it's super interesting how we still see this trope being used in Harry Potter. Seers are gifted witches and wizards who can see into the future with their inner eye. They predict prophecies, which are recorded and stored in the Hall of Prophecy in the Department of Mysteries. There are two known seers from the wizarding world, Cassandra Trelawney, who is a very celebrated seer from the 19th century, and her great-great-granddaughter, Professor Sybil Trelawney, divination teacher at Hogwarts, and the one who made the prophecy about Harry Potter and Lord Voldemort, which shaped Harry's story. And now, open your inner eye. It's time to talk about the prophecy. Now, it's time to dive into the book topic of the week for tales of magic and mischief. Now let's talk about the prophecy. The first time we see it is in Order of the Phoenix when the Golden Trio, Ginny, Neville, and Luna are in the Department of Mysteries. Ron points out one of the glass orbs down row 97, and this one appears very dusty and that it looks like it hasn't been touched for a very long time. When Harry takes a closer look at it, it has a yellowish label that reads SPT to APWBD Dark Lord question mark Harry Potter. So I just realized when I read it for this episode that the initials are Professor Trelawney and Dumbledore, which I haven't noticed before. Um, so that was crazy. But as a whole, the first time I read this, I was so confused. So how did you feel when you read this for the first time? I was confused too. I thought it was like a secret code, maybe for the person who put it on the shelf. You know, like here's the employee's label where they had to, you know, move it. You know how, like, books and products and stuff have a barcode? I thought it was, like, a barcode. I didn't think it was actual names. Yeah, I definitely didn't think it was names either. But Harry doesn't care what this means because he picks it up anyways, even though Hermione and Neville are telling him not to. When Harry picks it up, it's very warm as though it's been in the sun. So I get Harry picking it up because he's a Gryffindor and it has his name on it, but would you have picked it up? Heck no. What if that thing exploded or something? Like, Voldemort lures me here to the ministry to get this prophecy, right? It may be a prophecy, but it could also explode, you know, probably kill me. You know, what if the prophecy, as we know, it's about death. So what if the death is in opening the prophecy? Like, I would not have picked that up. I think it's like a dumb move to say, oh, it has my name on it. I'll just pick this up. Yeah, I know, and especially being in the Department of Mysteries, like, they don't know what these are. 
at this time, they don't know these are prophecies. They're just these glass ball things. So no way would I pick it up, especially being in the wizarding world and not knowing what could go down. I agree with you. I definitely wouldn't have picked this up. Once Harry gets to prophecy, Lucius Malfoy and the other Death Eaters turn up. Lucius is asking Harry to hand over the prophecy, but obviously he doesn't. Harry holds it up in front of him and says that Lucius and the others would have to smash the prophecy to get to him or his friends. Obviously, he's being super brave here. Lucius goes off about it being a prophecy, and Harry's like, what kind of prophecy are we talking about? And Lucius reveals that it was about Harry and Voldemort. So at this point, how would you feel? At this point, I'd want to keep it because it's rightfully mine. Like, no one else has the right to read my personal destiny i'd be more protective of it definitely yeah i totally agree like i'd be like you know this is mine sorry (laughs) um harry's asking why this prophecy is so important and why voldemort wants it and lucius is basically like did dumbledore not tell you the reason you have your scars in the department of mysteries This prophecy explains why Voldemort tried to kill Harry as a baby, and Lucius builds more tea saying that the only people who can retrieve a prophecy are the people to whom it was made about. Harry's obviously keeping Lucius talking because he wants to come up with a plan to save his friends, but after learning this, that this prophecy explains why Voldemort tried to kill him, how would you feel? My interest would be more piqued at this point, but I'd also be kind of irritated at Dumbledore because he obviously knew about this and didn't tell Harry about it. And Dumbledore's had like almost five years with Harry and he hasn't said anything. I'd be kind of pissed off. I'd be really pissed off too because I feel kind of betrayed by Dumbledore because as Harry, he hates the Malfoys and Lucius is the one spilling all this tea and it's like... Lucius and the rest of the Death Eaters know more about me than I know about myself in this whole situation, so I'd be really mad. Yeah, and the other thing too is that Lucius tells his son pretty much everything, so Malfoy probably knew about this, and Harry's probably thinking about that too, because he's like, oh, my enemy knows more about me than I do. Like, that's ridiculous. Like, I should know everything about myself, especially because he trusts Dumbledore, and he's like, Dumbledore will tell me everything, Dumbledore's my mentor, but this is the juncture in the books that we learn how secretive Dumbledore really is. Later, Harry tries to help Neville, whose legs are going crazy due to a spell, across the stone benches while the battle rages. During this struggle, Neville's robes break and the prophecy that was in his pocket falls. Neville's enchanted feet kick it and it breaks. The boys see a pearly white figure with hugely magnified eyes rise into the air and speak the prophecy before it dissolves. Sadly, due to the sounds of the battle, they don't hear what the figure says. How would you feel if you were Neville and dropped the prophecy? I'd feel like total shit, and Neville literally goes through the worst stuff. Like, he was jinxed, and he couldn't help his legs kicking around. So he probably feels super guilty, but it's not his fault, and I just hate that Neville's the one who's always put in these bad situations that he doesn't deserve. Yeah, I'd feel guilty as well, especially because Neville didn't mean to do it, and he was forced to. I also think it's super interesting that Neville low-key broke it, and it was kind of about him too. I mean, obviously, Voldemort Martyri as his equal, but Neville was included in that, and he doesn't even know that when he broke it. Yeah, that's a huge thing too, and we'll talk a little bit later about Neville, but I think he deserved to know what the prophecy said. But speaking of the prophecy, on first read, who did you think spoke the words, and what did you think they said? As far as who spoke them, I didn't really have any guesses. I thought it was just somebody random who came out of the broken orb. Like, I didn't think it was a character we knew. I thought it was just like a random record of whatever the prophecy was. And as far as what it spoke, I mean, I don't know specifics. There's no way of guessing that. But based on what Leisha said, obviously it was something to do with why Voldemort tried to go Harry. But I had no idea what that was. Yeah, and there's a clue here about Trelawney because it says magnified eyes. So looking back, I feel like I was super dumb that I didn't think of that when I read those words. But this was like a very suspenseful moment in the book with the battle. And so I just was focusing on the battle. And so I didn't focus on like these context clues. So I thought it was some rando as well. And also I thought it was more about the magic behind the scar. 
because he hints at Harry's scar. So I'm like, oh, maybe it'll talk about how Harry has some, like, cool powers. Um, that's what I thought. Okay, so moving on, after the battle, Harry and Dumbledore talk about the prophecy in Dumbledore's office. Dumbledore explains that Harry's dreams about the door to the Department of Mysteries happened as a result of Voldemort obsessing about hearing the prophecy. As Voldemort thought about the door, so did Harry. Then, Harry saw Rookwood tell Voldemort that the prophecies inside the ministry are protected and only the people to whom they refer can lift them from the shelves without suffering madness. So, either Valdi would have to enter the ministry and risk revealing that he's back, or Harry would have to get it for him. To get Harry to do his bidding, Valdi had to mess with Harry's head, which is why occlumency is so important, and Harry should have practiced. Regardless of Voldemort's manipulation, if you were Harry and knew about a prophecy about you, would you want to hear it? Honestly, I don't think so, because I'm one of those people who, like, would never go to a fortune teller, because because if if, if they tell you something you don't want to hear, then that's all you're going to think about, and I think, for me, I wouldn't want that, but Harry being a Gryffindor, I feel like it's in his nature to want to know things, because he's brave, so that's, like, a difference between both of us. I agree with you. I'm very hesitant to go to fortune tellers as well, because... If they tell me, oh, you're going to die in 24 hours, then I'm going to believe them. And I don't want to die in 24 hours. You know what I mean? Like, they always feed you a bunch of BS, and then you end up believing them, and then your life is miserable afterwards. So I definitely would not want to know. And I'd just be like, yeah, no, it's not affecting my life, therefore I don't need to know. However, if you were denied the chance to hear it, would you go so far as to break into the ministry? As a Hufflepuff, I don't think I'd break into the wizarding government, so no, but I would definitely wonder about it. Yeah, I'm a rule follower, and I just think about all the scenarios that would go wrong if I broke into the Ministry of Magic, and so I definitely wouldn't do it. I mean, if I really wanted to, maybe I'd, like, ask Fred and George to do it. (laughs) They could could probably pull it off. But I don't think I personally would get my hands dirty. I'd just be like, here, um, get to the Hall of Mysteries and get in and apparate me in and I'll pick it up. <laughs> like, You're just as bad as Voldemort having the Death Eaters <laughs> go get it for you. <laughs> if I, but I don't think I'd be that desperate, though. I think I'd just wonder about it and hope to God I learned about it. And if I didn't, I don't know. I think I'd be okay with it. So in Dumbledore's office, Harry finally gets the truth. Dumbledore basically recounts everything that happened to Harry during his first five years at Hogwarts and basically justifies not telling him the truth because Harry was too young and he reveals that he just cared about Harry too much. Despite Dumbledore's flaws, what do you think about Dumbledore's choice to withhold this information as to not cause Harry more pain and suffering when it comes to the prophecy? I don't like it at all. I'm one of those people who is afraid of the unknown. And so I feel like as a person, I need to know everything about myself. And if someone is withholding that information, it would make me really angry. Granted, I understand not wanting to say something till the person is older, However, Harry experienced a lot when he was younger, especially after the whole Sorcerer's Stone debacle and Chamber of Secrets. Maybe I could justify him waiting until the third book to say something, but until year five? Like, he's almost done with Hogwarts. After this year, he has, like, two years left. And Voldemort is, like, out there now. He should have known before Voldemort was out there. I completely agree with you, and I think this is Dumbledore's biggest flaw because we see how he's trying to protect Harry, but at the same time, like, Harry having the destiny he has, he has the right to know everything and as soon as possible, and I just think the way Dumbledore went about this entire thing was wrong, and I definitely wouldn't have done it the way he did. Yeah, it is wrong, and after this whole situation, I would feel hesitant to trust Dumbledore ever again. Like, I'm surprised Harry gets over this so quickly. He's like, okay, cool, thanks for letting me know. Yeah, no, I completely agree. Like, he's so frustrated about the whole thing with Sirius, but he doesn't really get frustrated too much with Dumbledore about this, and I definitely would. I'd be like, 
What? You've been keeping this from me for so long? What the hell, Dumbledore? <laughs> Alright. So Dumbledore explains that Voldemort tried to kill Harry because of the prophecy, but he didn't hear the whole thing, and therefore the curse rebounded due to his ignorance. Ever since Voldemort returned to his body the previous year, he's been dying to hear this prophecy, and that's all he's been after. He wants to know what it says. But Harry reveals that the prophecy smashed. Dumbledore says this was only a record, and the prophecy was made to him on a cold, wet night about 16 years ago, in a room above the Hogshead Inn. So question, how do records get into the Hall of Prophecy? Because we know Professor Trelawney doesn't know she made it, so she couldn't have told them. And it doesn't look like Dumbledore told anybody about this prophecy. So is there some kind of magical thing around prophecies that if it's made, it's automatically recorded in the Hall of Prophecy? How does that work? Yeah, I think there has to be a system of importance and a selection process to get into the Hall of Prophecy, but I don't know how these things are recorded because it sounds like if you record a prophecy, you have to be the person to put it in the globe, and it's like the ministry hires people to lurk around the corner and be like, hey, I see, I hear a prophecy, I'm going to open this globe, and it's going to suck it in there. It's like a weird version of a pensive. Yeah, I mean, I feel like there has to be some kind of magical way of getting them because we know, too, from the section you described, when the figure came out, it appeared like Professor Trelawney with the big glasses and stuff. So whoever recorded it or however it got recorded knew that she made it. And also because of the initials, they know that she made it to Dumbledore. So I don't know how this works. Yeah, and it's like the only person who is lurking around the corner there was Snape. So could Snape have done it? I doubt it. I doubt it. Dumbledore gets the pensive and he gets the silvery substance out from his mind and puts it into the pensive. And this is when we hear the prophecy again. The one with the power to vanquish the Dark Lord approaches, born to those who have thrice defied him, born as the seventh month dies, and the Dark Lord will mark him as his equal. But he will have power the Dark Lord knows not and either must die at the hand of the other for neither can live while the other survives the one with the power to vanquish the dark lord will be born as the seventh month does Dumbledore basically breaks down the whole prophecy saying that the prophecy speaks of a boy born at the end of july and who has parents who have thrice defied Voldemort, and also the power the dark lord knows not which is love Dumbledore also reveals that the prophecy could have referred to two boys, Harry and Neville, but Voldemort decided to mark Harry as his equal. This is interesting because Harry is a half-blood, but aside from this, what else do you find significant about Voldemort's choice? What I find interesting is that by killing Harry's parents, Voldemort is also creating another orphan like himself. What do you think about the power the Dark Lord knows not be in love? I think this is my favorite part about the Harry Potter series, being that the power of the Dark Lord knows not is love, because this just taught me how important love is and how you need to cherish love when you have it, whether that be from a spouse, from a friend, or from your parents. And love is what makes the world go round. And so if you don't have it, you're not a happy person and you don't feel fulfilled in life. So the fact that Harry has it is super, super important. I agree, it's super important. I also think it's really cool how deeply love is rooted in magic and that it's part of this prophecy. I just think it's super interesting because that's something we see threaded throughout the entire series and Harry's whole story from when he was a baby to when Voldemort meets his downfall. So I think it's really cool how that's at the heart of the prophecy. Finally, Harry asks Dumbledore about the end of the prophecy. So does that mean that one of us has got to kill the other in the end? Dumbledore says yes. I feel like Harry knew this all along deep down, but hearing it out loud, how would you feel if you were Harry? I'd feel like this makes the situation more real. You know, he's finally coming to terms with his destiny here, and he's saying, well... I knew this was going to happen eventually, but hearing it out loud, it just really sinks in and brings it home to say, yep, this is what I have to do, and it's going to be a really hard task, but I knew it was coming. I definitely agree that it makes it more real, but I also think that, in a way, this is kind of closure, 
because he doesn't have to wonder anymore. Like, he might have felt it, but now he knows for sure that this is what has to go down. So it's not wondering anymore. And once we get into Half-Blood Prince in just a second, we'll see how he's truly facing this with the whole Horcruxes thing and learning as much as possible about Voldemort's past. So I feel like now that he knows, he has a clear path forward. Yeah, and this path was always set for him. But just knowing it now he's finally facing his destiny. He's finally coming to terms with it. At the beginning of Half-Blood Prince, Dumbledore takes Harry to the burrow and they discuss many things in the shed with a lot of spiders. One of the things is the prophecy. After confirming with Harry that he didn't tell anybody what it said, Dumbledore says, a wise decision on the whole, though I think you ought to relax it in favor of your friends, Mr. Ronald Weasley and Miss Hermione Granger. He also says that Harry would do a disservice to them if he didn't trust them with something so important. Dumbledore points out that even if Harry is worried or frightened, you need your friends, Harry. I love this, and I love that Dumbledore is basically telling Harry to tell Ron and Hermione because we know Dumbledore understands the power of friendship. So what do you think about what Dumbledore advises Harry to do? I think it's sound advice. Um... Dumbledore shouldered a lot of his life by himself and didn't let people in and he realizes that that was a mistake. I think he also realized not telling Harry sooner was a mistake when he tells him at the end of Order of the Phoenix and so he's trying to rectify his mistake by saying yeah you can't bear this on your own. I shouldn't have told you to bear it on your own. Um, You need to tell your friends because they can help you. And honestly, with this big of a prophecy that's life or death, you need all the help you can get. Right, and I also really like how over the years, Dumbledore has truly realized what amazing friends Ron and Hermione are to Harry. And so Dumbledore telling him to trust them with this just shows that he's so aware of Harry's life and knows that Ron and Hermione are the best friends in the world. So Harry takes Dumbledore's advice and tells Ron and Hermione about the prophecy after he explains that Dumbledore said he's going to be giving him private lessons this year. After he tells them about the prophecy, Hermione asks Harry if he's scared. Harry says he was at first, but not so much anymore. It seems as though I always knew I'd have to face him in the end. So what do you think about Hermione first jumping to basically asking Harry how he feels about this, if he's scared? And also, what do you think about Harry's response? I think Hermione asks very practical questions. And I think, are you scared is the most important of them all. Because she's also empathetic and she wants to know how Harry's feeling. Because if it was her, or if it was anybody else, they'd be scared. And Harry's saying, well, I knew this would happen eventually. He's just like, I have to come to terms with it. I mean, this was what was basically, quote-unquote, spoken and written, you know. He realizes that he needs to kill Voldemort and save the world, and only he alone can do it. But by confiding in his friends, he's saying, I'm giving you this burden to hold on as well, and if you can help me, great. If not, then this is what I gotta do. Yeah, I also agree that what Hermione asked him was super practical, and I think she's really scared. Like, Hermione is definitely terrified of this, but she's kind of hiding her emotions and putting it on Harry and asking him how he feels, and I think that shows a lot about her character. Ron jumps in and says that Dumbledore wouldn't be giving Harry private lessons if he thought he was a goner. He must think you've got a chance. Hermione agrees with him and wonders what Dumbledore will be teaching Harry. She supposes very advanced defensive magic. So it's interesting how Ron took the encouragement approach here. So what do you think about what Ron said? This is one of the reasons why Ronald Weasley is my soulmate. Because he's just like, well, mate it's here, you can do it, we're here for you, and Hermione's just like, I'm gonna take the fear approach because I'm scared, and Ron's just like, well, I'm not doing it, but I can encourage him because I know he can do it. So it's interesting to see um, the different sides of the coin, and it's also interesting to see how Ron and Hermione really complement each other, right? If one of them is scared, one of them's encouraging the other. I agree, and Ron saying what he did is such a bro move because he's basically like, 
oh, if Dumbledore thought you were a goner, he wouldn't help you. So, like, I love Ron kind of bringing, not necessarily humor to the situation, but in a way, he's kind of lightening the mood by saying, listen, if he thought you were a goner, if he thought you didn't have a chance, he wouldn't try to help you. And so I think that's super awesome that Ron really encouraged him here. Yeah, this is why Ron is, like, the biggest cheerleader in the series and why he's, like, one of the best characters. Harry's definitely moved by his friend's reactions, but he realizes that they must be much more shocked than they're letting on. But the mere fact that they were still there on either side of him, speaking bracing words of comfort, not shrinking from him as though he were contaminated or dangerous, was worth more than he could ever tell them. Ron and Hermione are the best friends ever, and they're sticking by his side now when he needs them more than ever. So put yourself in the shoes of Ron and Hermione. You basically just encouraged Harry and made him feel better about the situation, but inside you're terrified for your best friend. So how would you feel truly being one of them? I think you hit the nail on the head. I'd be terrified, but I'd also know that making Harry more fearful more fearful and anxious about the situation isn't the best approach here and encouragement and support is the best approach which is why i really applaud ron and hermione and harry they're all maturely thinking about this and doing what they can to help each other right i love how you brought up the maturity because we see that over the course of the series from book one until now like all of their priorities are straightened out and they understand the severity of the situation and they're truly sticking together and lifting each other up and giving that support that they all need. So, best golden trio. In Half-Blood Prince on the Hogwarts Express, Harry looks at Neville and wonders about how he could have been the one with the destiny. If Voldemort had chosen Neville, maybe he would have been the one sitting across from Harry with a lightning-shaped scar on his forehead. He wonders about Alice and if she would have stepped in front of Voldemort to protect Neville the way that Lily did for Harry. He thinks surely she would, but there was always the chance that she wouldn't have been able to do so. If she hadn't, would there be no Neville sitting across from Harry? Would there be no chosen one, an empty seat where Neville sat? And would there be a scarless Harry who would have been kissed goodbye by his own mother, not Mrs. Weasley? This is the most deep thing I think I've said yet on this podcast. Um, It's so true, though, and I just... I just think about Neville and like how he would have handled being the chosen one and I just feel so bad that he doesn't know anything. Like he's sitting there all innocent, chatting away with Luna and just being normal and then he could have had this on him instead of Harry. Yeah, and this whole scenario is based on what ifs, right? You know, what if Alice didn't step in front of Neville? What if this happened? What if he had the scar? you know, and if that happened, the title of the series would be Neville Longbottom and not Harry Potter. And so it often makes me wonder what it would have been like. I mean, it might not have worked out if Neville had been the chosen one because, um, you know, his grandmother gave him his dad's wand that didn't choose him. We were talking about that previously. So Neville would have had issues with magic maybe Neville wouldn't have been able to defeat Voldemort. Maybe it was better that Harry got the prophecy because we know in the end that Harry's able to defeat him. You know, Neville's a very timid person. What if he's not brave enough to stand up to Voldemort? So you got to think about that as well. And you also have to think about how it's a total disservice that Neville doesn't know the prophecy. Obviously, he can't do anything about it. But as he could have been the one prophesied about, he deserves to know. And I think it's super dirty that at the end of the series, he doesn't even know about his prophecy. No one tells him. I think that's so unfair. It definitely is unfair. And I just think that maybe not now, like while everything's happening, I don't think Neville would have taken it well if somebody would have told him now. But I feel like down the road... Like, Harry should have been like, hey, Neville, I just want to let you know this was a situation with Voldemort, and there was a prophecy, and it was about both of us. You know what I mean? I feel like Harry should have told him later in life, because he definitely deserves to know, 
It's so wrong that he doesn't know. It is. It's really wrong. Poor Neville. I just want to give him hugs. I'd read a series called Neville Longbottom. <laughs> I'm sorry, but his last name is so funny. Shut Longbottom. up. Longbottom. <laughs> but no, I think he's a really good kid, and he deserved to know. Yep. He deserved to know. I'll tell you, Neville. Don't worry. <laughs> During Harry's first private lesson with Dumbledore, he asked about the prophecy before and after their pensive trip to the Gaunt House. Before. Sir, said Harry tentatively, does what you're going to tell me have anything to do with the prophecy? Will it help me survive? It has a very great deal to do with the prophecy, said Dumbledore, as casually as if Harry had asked him about the next day's weather. And I certainly hope that it will help you to survive. That's super ominous. After the trip, Harry says, Sir, is it important to know all this about Voldemort's past? Very important, I think, said Dumbledore. And it, it's got something to do with the prophecy. It has everything to do with the prophecy. In your opinion, what's the value of these trips and how do they connect to the prophecy? I think it's all connected to the prophecy because Harry needs to know as much about Voldemort as possible so he can understand him. And as you'll talk about later with the Horcruxes, Harry's learning all about Horcruxes because that is basically the whole neither can live while the other survives thing. As I'll talk about later, we know that the love magic keeps Harry alive and the Horcruxes keep Voldemort alive. So there's that crossover and it's all tied into the prophecy and Harry doesn't know this yet. But I was literally trying not to laugh my butt off when you were reading it because I was like, Sir, is this about the prophecy? Yes, Harry, it's about the prophecy. Sir, is this going to help me? Yes, Harry, it's going to help me. It's like going back and forth. Like, like he just keeps asking and Jumbledore's not elaborating, you know what I mean? Yeah, I would have asked twice if I was Harry as well because I would have hoped that Dumbledore would have said more. But Dumbledore is like, he has an iron fist sometimes because he's just like, yes it is harry but i'm not gonna tell you why and harry's just like well that's stupid i'm here for a reason like you should at least elaborate a little bit and we know too that these memories were super hard to get and so dumbledore's doing harry a huge ass favor by giving him these memories like harry potter could not have done this all by himself he gets so much help from other people which is great but he doesn't recognize the value, I don't think, of these memories because he's just like, oh, yeah, cool, we have these. It's like, no, you know how hard these were to find? So thank you for coming to my TED Talk. Dumbledore later reveals to Harry that Professor Trelawney doesn't know she made the prophecy about Harry and Voldemort. Divination is turning out to be much more trouble than I could have foreseen, never having studied the subject myself. I cannot ask Ferenz to return to the forest, where he is now an outcast, nor can I ask Sybil Trelawney to leave. Between ourselves, she has no idea of the danger she would be in outside the castle. She does not know, and I think it would be unwise to enlighten her, that she made the prophecy about you and Voldemort, you see. If you were Dumbledore, would you have kept the knowledge about Professor Trelawney to yourself and kept her at Hogwarts? Or would you have told her about it? If not, would you have told her about it after the Battle of Hogwarts? This is another one of Dumbledore's mistakes. I think I would have told her because, first of all, Professor Trelawney doesn't have the best, like, self-esteem. And we see that throughout the books. Like, she tries to prove herself, but she's basically seen as a total flop amongst the students and the other teachers. So I feel like in telling her, it would give her confidence, but at the same time, it's super dangerous. So I definitely would have told her afterward but we obviously know Dumbledore didn't get the chance to do that because he died before the Battle of Hogwarts so I don't know how she would have found out I don't think Harry would have told her but I think same reason as Neville being part of it Professor Trelawney freaking made it like she should know that she made this like world-changing thing like it's one of the biggest things in wizarding history that she prophesized and she didn't even know about it she's just living about in Hogwarts teaching divination not knowing that she did this yeah, I agree with you. I would have told her after the Battle of Hogwarts. I think Harry should have told her after the Battle of Hogwarts because in a way not telling her originally keeps her safe because she doesn't have anything to tell anyone else. 
She's like, no, I don't know anything about that prophecy. Like, if Voldemort came and tortured her, she wouldn't have known anything. So that's important that she didn't know beforehand. But afterwards, she should have been told. Because she was the person who basically declared what would happen to the world in the next, whatever, 17, 18 years that this happened. So she should know. She has the right to know. In a conversation between Harry and Dumbledore, Dumbledore reveals that Voldemort intended to use Harry's death to create his sixth horcrux. Dumbledore said he believed that in killing you, he was destroying the danger the prophecy had outlined. He believed he was making himself invincible. What does this quote show about Voldemort and how much stock he put in the prophecy? I think this shows Voldemort's ignorance and belief in himself that he's all-powerful because he doesn't know about the love magic and he thinks like all right this prophecy is what i have to do i gotta kill harry potter and then i'll be fine but this just shows that he really doesn't think about anything other than himself and he doesn't recognize the fact that there's good magic out there that's more powerful than the dark magic he does i agree voldemort takes everything he hears to heart because he wants to make sure that nothing is in his way. And so if he hears of something that's in his way, he's going to destroy it. He thinks he's fantastic, so he knows he'll destroy it. And, you know, look what happened. He's not invincible. No human being is invincible, and no human being is exempt from death. The Horcruxes wouldn't protect him forever. The link between the prophecy and the horcruxes is that without his horcruxes, Voldemort will be a mortal man that can be killed, thus the whole point of destroying them. Still, Voldemort is powerful, and Harry has the power the Dark Lord knows not, which is love. Dumbledore also tells Harry not to put too much stock in the prophecy. It is only significant because Voldemort made it so. I told you this at the end of last year. Voldemort singled you out as the person who would be most dangerous to him, and in doing so, he made you the person who would be most dangerous to him. Harry says, but it comes to the same. Dumbledore disagrees, saying Harry's setting too much store by the prophecy. The prophecy is only coming to pass because Voldemort acted on Trelawney's words, setting out to kill Harry and creating his worst enemy. He gave Harry the power to speak parcel tongue and to see into his mind. Harry could have been tempted to turn to the dark side, but he doesn't. He is protected by his ability to love, which is the only protection that can work against the lure of power. Harry is pure of heart. His power of love is why Harry can go into Valdi's mind and why Valdi cannot possess him without experiencing agony. Would you like the power of love? Hell yeah. It sounds like it can kick ass when it comes to dark magic. Like, no matter what Voldemort tries to do, it's like, he can't get to Harry, and he can't destroy Harry because he has his power of love. So I think it's super, super cool how something as simple as love can be so powerful. Yeah, and it's interesting, too, because if you think of love potions, they're really hard to make, and they don't last forever. And so, with love being an emotion, too, it's like you can't bottle an emotion into magic as much as you want to. Like, you can't make someone love another person for very long. And so, the fact that that emotion is so strong and the fact that it can combat other powers just makes it so unbelievably cool. And this is why the Harry Potter series is fantastic because it teaches you the power of loving another person and how important it is to love. I agree, and I think it's really interesting how you said that love is an emotion that will last, whereas a love potion wouldn't last forever, and some other means of dark magic wouldn't last forever. And that's just making me think of the love magic versus horcruxes and how Harry was always destined to be triumphant when it comes to the prophecy because his love magic would always last and Voldemort's horcruxes would eventually die out. And so I think that's really interesting too. Exactly. And if you think of other emotions too, like happiness and sadness, those are fleeting emotions. And so that's why love is so powerful because it's like, I can love someone forever. 
With Dumbledore's help, Harry realizes that even if he hadn't heard the prophecy, he would still want to kill Voldemort. Dumbledore says, You see, the prophecy does not mean you have to do anything, but the prophecy caused Lord Voldemort to mark you as his equal. In other words, you are free to choose your way, quite free to turn your back on the prophecy. But Voldemort continues to set store by the prophecy. He will continue to hunt you, which makes it certain, really, that that one of us is going to end up killing the other, said Harry. Yes. What does this passage show about Harry's character, that he's willing to fulfill the prophecy and set out for justice for all? I think it's because he's known all along, kind of how he said before, like, even before he heard the prophecy, deep down he knew he would have to be the one to finish Voldemort off. And I think that that's not only the reason why he's doing it, he's doing it because Voldemort literally killed his parents and wrecked his life, so he wants justice and he wants a better world for the generations to come. So it shows selflessness and his bravery and determination. I couldn't have said it better myself. And the prophecy is why Harry's a Gryffindor, because he puts the needs of others before himself. As long as people can be freed of Voldemort's oppression and everything in between, he's willing to do what he has to do. And that really shows his maturity here. When Harry talks to Professor Trelawney about Dumbledore interviewing her for the Hogwarts divination teaching post at the Hogshead, she reveals that partway through her interview, Snape and the barman burst into the room, Snape having been caught eavesdropping on them. Trelawney, of course, made the prophecy while Snape was eavesdropping, but she doesn't remember this. Now we know that Snape was the one who told Voldemort about the prophecy. How would you feel if you were Harry? I'd be like, are you freaking kidding me? Snape of all people. Like, why couldn't it have been anybody else? Not freaking Snape. Like, I'd be so pissed. So pissed. And this is why it is so fascinating when we hear the prince's tale and we hear how Snape eventually turned to the good side. Because if we hadn't heard that, we would have believed through and through that Snape was a villain. Harry is dead set now that Snape is a total villain because he screwed over his entire life by listening in for five minutes and telling his master what he heard. So Snape is highly, like, cemented as a villain now. And Harry's like, yeah, I'm giving him no mercy. Um, I hope he dies at Voldemort's hands at some point because this really sucks for me. So here's the real question that I came up with at three in the morning. If Snape knew it was Professor Trelawney who made the prophecy, why didn't he give her identity to Voldemort? And if he did, why didn't Voldemort hunt her down? This is the only thing I can think of. Snape was so focused on Lily not dying that that's all he was talking about. He was like, spare Lily. I don't care if you kill Harry and James, just spare Lily. And Snape believed that he heard what he needed to hear. You know what I mean? Like when Dumbledore kicked him out or whatever, when he got caught, he believed that all he heard was important. He didn't hear the rest, but he didn't think it was important. So I think at the time, he didn't think it was important to tell Voldemort. And then afterward, like we know Snape became more loyal to Dumbledore. So he wouldn't tell anybody at that point because he wanted to help save Harry. So it was weird. Like I get why he didn't. It doesn't really make sense, but I don't know. It doesn't make sense, but we know that at the point of Snape hearing the prophecy, he was at the height of being evil. And so it's interesting here that he spared Trelawney's life. So it shows here that he had the potential to become good because he didn't tell Voldemort about her. He pretty much could have walked in and said, hey, uh, I heard this prophecy somewhere. Not going to tell you who said it, but here's the details. And also, Voldemort could have been so focused on the prophecy that he wouldn't have asked for details because he was like, yep, need to kill this kid. Whoever said it, whatever, you know, no worries about that. Exactly. And I think this is also what shows Voldemort's ignorance and being so focused on the prophecy, like Dumbledore said, because if he would have thought more about it, like, oh, wait, who said this? He would have double checked did I get the whole thing? But he didn't, and that blew up in his face. So I think it's in Voldemort's nature and Snape's at that time to not really care who said it, but what it said. 
Then, in Dumbledore's office, Harry spills the tea about what he learned about Snape from Professor Trelawney, exclaiming in rage that despite what Snape did, Dumbledore still let Snape teach at Hogwarts. Dumbledore says that Snape made a mistake. As he was a Death Eater at the time, he told Voldy about the first half of the prophecy that he heard. But Snape didn't know which boy Voldemort would pick, or that Harry's parents would be people he knew. Harry points out that the people Snape hates, like James and Sirius, often end up dead. Dumbledore counters that he believes Snape's decision was the greatest regret of his life, and the reason that he returned. Harry obviously doesn't believe Dumbledore. Snape is a good Aquamans and could just as easily be tricking Dumbledore as he is supposedly tricking Voldemort. How would you feel if you were Harry here? I'd be like, dude, stop trusting Snape. The guy's an a-hole. He ratted out my parents. Like, how can you possibly still let this dude teach at this school? Like, get him the hell out already or I'm gonna do it. Honestly, though, like... Harry has some good points here, which is odd for him, but they're good They're good points. He's like, listen, he's tricking Voldemort, he's tricking you, he's tricking everyone. You don't know what the hell he's doing. Like, get him out of here. Dumbledore's like, nope. And this is why everybody thinks Dumbledore is a crazy old man, because he trusts him. <laughs> so, looking back now, after you've read The Prince's Tale and you're rereading the books again, would you feel some remorse for Snape? Above anything else, he did do what he could for Harry, and he gave him those memories at the end of his life, like he promised Dumbledore. Um, he took that opportunity to help Harry. And I think, like, Harry doesn't know this at this time. And honestly, first read, I hated Snape's guts at this point. And so I wouldn't have felt any sympathy, or I didn't feel any sympathy when I first read it. But looking back, I definitely feel like Snape was super misunderstood the whole time. And I definitely would feel bad here. I would too, because he didn't know the gravity of what he was reporting to Voldemort at all. He was just like, I'm on this mission, I have to tell Voldemort what I heard, or else I'm going to be tortured like the other Death Eaters get tortured when they don't do their jobs. So he was like, oh, I'm saving my skin here, but he didn't realize that he was putting so many lives in jeopardy. Like, he probably didn't even know what the heck the prophecy meant. And... All of these events spiraled after this, so I feel bad for Snape. The scene ends with Harry talking to Dumbledore about what he believes Snape and Draco are planning for that evening when Harry and Dumbledore are set to leave, further proving Harry's distrust for Snape. Still, Dumbledore insists he trusts Snape. Alright friends, the moment you've all been waiting for, the princess tale. So during the princess tale, Dumbledore reveals to Snape everything about what happened the night Voldemort tried to kill Harry, and the big reveal that a piece of Voldemort's soul is in Harry, aka Harry being a horcrux. Snape asks, so the boy, the boy must die, and Dumbledore says, and Voldemort himself must do it, Severus, that is essential. So the big thing here is that Dumbledore believed that only the Horcrux would die if Voldemort tried to go Harry, not Harry. And this ties into Harry's strength and the power the Dark Lord knows not, love. What do you think about Dumbledore here as a wizard and his confidence in himself that he trusted this hunch or belief when Harry's life was on the line? I think he's the most arrogant person I've ever met, aside from <laughs> He's like, this is gonna work, Severus. And Snape's like, are you sure? Like, are you so sure? Because if he was wrong, Harry would have died. That is a huge gamble. I would have smacked him at this point, to be honest with you. Yeah, I know. I would have been so mad. And honestly, Dumbledore could have been wrong. There could have been a chance that he was wrong. And he just basically set Harry up for death. And so, I agree, super arrogant. His plan worked, but that's beside the point. Snape died, like, this is the other thing. Snape died thinking that Harry was raised as a pig for slaughter. Snape died not knowing the truth and not what actually happened. And that's, that's sad. I think that's really sad. Yeah. Snape followed all of Dumbledore's orders throughout the years. He was a faithful servant to him. And this goes down. If I was Snape, I would have felt so betrayed. So betrayed. 
but yet he's still good to the end. Yep. This just made me like Snape even more. Would you look at that? So now here we are at the end. So Harry goes to the Forbidden Forest to die. Voldemort casts about a cadaver, and both Harry and Voldemort end up in wizard purgatory. Harry as himself, and Voldemort as the disgusting baby-like creature because his soul is so destroyed. Harry and Dumbledore have a very long conversation, and love magic comes up. Dumbledore explains the whole love magic situation. When Voldemort used Harry's blood to come back to life, he took some of Lily's love protection into himself, and therefore, as long as Voldemort keeps Lily's sacrifice alive, Harry will not die as long as that enchantment survives. So this is so deep with love magic. What do you think about this here? All I have to say is before this episode, I had to prepare and get things explained to me like five times because I did not get this. You know, I think this is just super interesting because it just shows how love magic can move from one person to another. And so the fact that like Harry can't die and Voldemort can't die here is just really interesting. Yeah, it's really interesting. I think it's so cool looking at it how... Lily's love protection is inside Voldemort, but he's such an evil person. And so as we'll talk about in just a second, like the consequences of that is like super fascinating. Harry had the choice to return back to his world, which he does. When he returns, he realizes that Voldemort was not unconscious as well when he tried to kill Harry. This is super interesting because this highlights the point in the prophecy that says neither can live while the other survives, meaning neither can die or neither can live, which is super interesting. And this also links back to what Dumbledore said about the love magic. Because Voldemort tried to kill Harry, he could not do so because Lily's love protection still being inside Voldemort keeps that enchantment alive. So what did you think when you read this and saw that both of them were knocked out and then both of them came back at the same time? When I saw both of them knocked out, I thought one of them was dead. And then when they both opened their eyes, I was really confused. I was confused too because Voldemort tried to kill Harry. So the prophecy says that either must die at the hand of the other. And clearly Voldemort tried to kill Harry. But as we know, the Horcrux died, not Harry. So that's why neither one of them died at this time. So here's what happened. Neither can live while the other survives also means that neither can die while the other survives. As long as Lily's love protection is in Voldemort, Harry can't die. And as long as the Horcrux is in Harry, Voldemort can't die. So they are both keeping each other alive. And if one dies, as we saw in Wizard Purgatory, so does the other. So the only way to fulfill this prophecy is either to a, get rid of Lily's love protection in Voldemort, or B, get rid of the Horcrux in Harry. We obviously know which happened because when Voldemort tried to kill Harry, the Horcrux was destroyed. Therefore, the prophecy has been fulfilled, and now Harry is able to destroy Voldemort once and for all as he was destined to do. So, friends, we made it to the wrap-up. So, Jess, my question to you is, what do you think is the most interesting line of the prophecy? I think the most interesting line of the prophecy is that neither can live while the other survives. Just because it's so ominous and we see how that affects both of them deeply in the books. That is definitely an interesting one and I think like out of all the lines that's most important because that's what highlights the fact that Voldemort has something keeping Harry alive and Harry has something keeping Voldemort alive. So it's really interesting. The wording kind of threw me at first because technically it should be neither can die while the other survives, but living and dying here are like the same thing. So it took me a while to figure out what exactly that was saying. Yeah, it took me a great deal to figure that out. Like I had to have this explained to me a bunch of times because in Deathly Hollows, stuff happens so quickly at the end. And so you kind of have to sit back and just like digest it and that just took a while for me. I didn't quite understand it. And I love the wording of this prophecy as a whole because one, all that sounds ominous, and two, it can be interpreted so many different ways as we've seen in our discussion. I think my favorite line of the prophecy is, and the Dark Lord will mark him as his equal, but he will have power the Dark Lord knows not. I like that line just because at first read, 
you wonder what the power the Dark Lord knows not is. But as we know, that's love. And we talked a lot about love magic and how it was so important with the prophecy and Harry's story as a whole. And I think like at the ending too, that we just talked about, that's literally rooted in this entire thing. And so I think that the whole love magic being the power the Dark Lord knows not that Harry has is my favorite part of the prophecy. That would have been my second choice as my favorite line because I love the power of love. And it's definitely something that we didn't see coming. Dumbledore keeps saying, oh, your power is love. Oh, your power is love. And Harry's just like, what the hell does that mean? I can love you. I can give you a hug and say, oh, I love you. Like, what does that mean? And he never explains it until we see it in action at the end. It's really interesting. And I think you and I are going to be doing a whole episode on love magic, which is super exciting. I'm excited for that. Thank you guys so much for listening. Please let us know on social media what your favorite line of the prophecy is and other thoughts you have about the episode. Our next episode comes out on July 16th, so stay tuned for that. Bye! Bye! Thank you for listening to this chapter of the Half-Blood Princesses, a Harry Potter podcast. Hedwood's theme and leaving Hogwarts in this episode were originally composed by John Williams and arranged by me. Until next time, mark this page with a magical bookmark.